0: Okay, hopefully you can see the screen. Welcome back to this session. a Four part series of um, academic writing, but writing for different types of learners. The last installment is Tackling Plagiarism. The agenda for today's session We'll do a quick recap of module three. We'll try to get a working definition of plagiarism. We'll examine the prevalence of plagiarism in higher education uh, with a focus on higher education, even though plagiarism might occur at all levels, uh, but it's more likely to occur at uh, the secondary level or the tertiary level. So uh, we'll look at the prevalence of plagiarism, plagiarism in higher education. Analyze the underlying reasons for plagiarism at an official level. And then get into a more deeper level when we discuss intercultural rhetoric and language learners, what's the relationship between the two? What types of plagiarism is committed by students? Plagiarism detection strategies for the teacher from a digital standpoint and a physical standpoint? How do you discipline plagiarism? and then also questions and references. Okay. So a recap of module three, Uh, we talked about the last session was the importance of feedback and we talked about in depth about the different types of learners uh, that you may encounter when it comes to uh, writing proficiency. And so that will determine the scope, so how much, and the frequency, how often you will give feedback to students. And so basically we said that for a more advanced, they would need less interaction or less intervention from you whereas, uh, um, and less frequently, whereas lower learners would need a little bit more support. We also talked about how feedback is absolutely critical to students' development as writers. It's impossible for students to move forward. Uh, as writers if they do not know what it is that they're doing well and what they need improvement on. Feedback should examine both the major and minor issues. So the structural issues and the mechanical issues that are involved with writing should both be addressed when giving feedback ideally, but that's also dependent on how much time uh, is afforded to you. So uh, it might be that you have have, uh, very large classes or you have many sections of students. So it might be, you know, It might be kind of impossible uh, to uh, get to all the students in in quite a lot of detail, but ideally you should look at both structural and mechanical issues. It should not be too vague nor too detailed, right? So we saw an example where uh, we looked at a paragraph and the teacher simply wrote a question mark, um, which the student really cannot do much with. And then we saw another sample where literally the teacher changed every single mistake and wrote the correct answer for the student. Again, that is not uh, helpful because it doesn't allow the student to learn from their mistakes. It robs the student of the learning opportunity. So it should not be too detailed or too vague, although at lower levels with lower, uh, you know, younger students, uh, you might need to just by default uh, be a little bit more detailed. And then we also look at the variety of ways of giving feedback, whether through comments, whether they're symbols, and uh, that was it. So plagiarism, which is the topic of today, we need a working definition of plagiarism. Um, Ideally, I would ask the audience what they would, uh, how they would define plagiarism. And then they would give me a variety of responses and we, we would sort of collect them and then uh, you know, look over and see how does it align with the working definition. But we will go straight into it here. So plagiarism can be defined as the act of stealing, theft, appropriation of intellectual property not owned by the perpetrator. All right, so we'll come back to this issue of ownership in just a little bit. Also defined uh, from a textbook standpoint from dictionary.com, the unauthorized use or close imitation of the language and thoughts of another author and the representation of them as one's own original work. Um, And then we have, uh, it's an egregious academic violation with potentially severe consequences. An example of that is here, the German defense minister Uh, who had to resign because it was found out that his part of his uh, dissertation was plagiarized. So he actually had to resign as a defense minister, which was absolutely embarrassing. Um, So plagiarism, which is taking information from somewhere else and passing off as your own has an unshakable stigma, especially in academia. So it's sort of like the equivalent of, uh, I mean, it might as well be academic murder. Uh, if you wanted to put it in more basic terms, it's very, very very, very serious uh, the way it is uh, treated, especially in academia. Sorry, we have that. Let's look at some plagiarism policy statements of a few institutions, high school level and university level uh, to see how they define plagiarism and you know, we can sort of look at some of the language used to, to gather some more thoughts about what, how, just how serious uh, we think that plagiarism is. So this Heights, this school district in New York, Thomas Edison High School has zero tolerance for plagiarism and cheating. We take these offenses quite seriously. Uh, From a high school in Australia, we regard plagiarism as academic dishonesty, theft, and an ethical offense. The high school regards plagiarism as unacceptable behavior. Michigan State University states plagiarism is considered fraud and has potentially harsh consequences, including loss of job, loss of reputation, another college in Canada, plagiarism is an intentional act of academic dishonesty and intellectual theft. And the last one from Oxford, plagiarism may be intentional or reckless or unintentional. Under the regulations of examinations, intentional or reckless plagiarism is a disciplinary offense. Now, unfortunately, for this version of uh, PowerPoint or the, the font, you can't really see, but I had highlighted some uh wording in each phrase to to draw your attention to so here it says zero tolerance for plagiarism and cheating academic dishonesty theft unacceptable here fraud here intellectual theft all right so if you were to gather all of these phrases and um sort of come up what, what kind of discourse is this is this are we talking about plagiarism and cheating dishonesty theft fraud, okay, intellectual theft, it really becomes uh, almost criminal, right? It's almost sort of a criminal aspect to uh, how serious plagiarism is regarded in not only uh, at university level, also in in high school. Um, And also there's really no distinction being made between different types of plagiarism with the first four statements, it's just plagiarism flat out. Whereas at the end, Oxford University uh, says plagiarism may be intentional or reckless or unintentional. So I want to draw your attention to the fact that Oxford distinguishes between intentional, unintentional, and it's only the inintentional or reckless plagiarism that is considered a disciplinary offense, whereas unintentional is not. Okay, and we're going to talk about why that might be the case, what's the the psychology behind that, what is intentional versus unintentional plagiarism, and we'll move forward. So how prevalent is plagiarism in higher education? Well, plagiarism has unfortunately been a part of higher education. Um, With the advent of the internet and the very quick and ease of uh, access to Literally hundreds of thousands of, probably millions essays all over the world. Plagiarism has literally metastasized, so it has absolutely exploded with the advent of the internet. Uh, in a report by the Independent, it reported on fifty thousand students getting caught for plagiarism in the UK between the years two thousand fourteen and two thousand sixteen. They considered a plagiarism epidemic, which is pretty serious. Uh, The Quality Assurance Agency in the UK issued a formal complaint to the Advertising Standards Agency calling for a formal ban on search engine ads for SAML companies. It got so bad that basically they said we need to ban and make it impossible to research the word SAML. Uh, Prevalent and also uh, generating quite a lot of money as an industry, but again, The um, victim is academic integrity at universities. So why do students plagiarize? What is the, or what are the main reasons why students plagiarize? There are myriad reasons. There are myriad reasons. And ideally, again, I would sort of prompt you to discuss those with me, ask me, or share with me what you think the reasons are students plagiarize, but again we'll go into that in detail. So fundamental to the framework of plagiarism is understanding intentional versus unintentional plagiarism. We have to understand that there is a difference. Not all plagiarism is the same. That's where, in my opinion, a lot of um, a lot of teachers and a lot of uh, it, uh, administrations go wrong when they treat all plagiarism as the same. That is an issue. Okay, there is a distinction, very distinct, very distinct difference between intentional versus unintentional. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The dynamic will operate differently depending on local students versus international students. Um, this is more so the case uh, at, the, at the higher level. Uh, if you are teaching at um, if you're teaching at uh, university and you have an influx of international students but it can also be um, in different programs right so depending on your demo, the demographics of your area there might be a considerable amount of students who are from the US originally and then there are some who are immigrants or from immigrant families so uh, there are some distinct differences that may exist between the two. And that's just because uh, of the function of writing from a cultural aspect. And we're gonna talk about that in a little bit as well. In my opinion, I've also written about this. I wrote an article uh, as I uh, developed a plagiarism policy at at an old university that I used to work for. There was an absence of one, yet there was a plagiarism issue. So we formed a plagiarism task force and uh, sought to address the issue uh, as comprehensively as possible. Um, from that experience, I've gained some sort of some insight into, you know, what are the most effective ways to deal with plagiarism. And for me, it's important to treat cases of plagiarism individually and, make, and not make broad generalizations about students. Uh, sometimes people may tend to make uh, general um, generalizations about certain communities or certain uh Uh, segments of society right about when it comes to plagiarism Uh, and it's very important to understand that we have to treat each case of plagiarism individually. As we are uh, looking at each student as an individual. Some of the intentional reasons vary. There might be too much pressure, not enough time to do the work. It might be simply easier to plagiarize than to do the work itself. Again, related to too much much pressure in terms of time. Maybe the student had a lot of time, but they didn't manage the time well, and now they're under pressure. There might be uh, familial pressures to succeed, peer pressure to succeed. It might be a lack of language proficiency. So the student just is not at the uh, proficiency level to write the paper. Um, Student might just be tempted because it's just so easy to, to just get something from the internet. A student might fear uh, getting a poor grade for a paper. Okay, and then some just boils down to just pure laziness. Some uh, hold the belief that they will not be caught. It's just too easy to get away, it's easy money. Uh, And some perceive that plagiarism really is not that big a deal. Some of the unintentional reasons why a student may So you have to understand that there's a difference between making a distinction between students who intentionally seek out to take someone's information and use it and pass it off as their own. And then there is the other hand where you have people who retrieve or they produce work that is plagiarized, but they are not aware that it is a plagiarized uh, piece of work. Some of the reasons regarding that might be just a poor understanding of referencing, and the, and the concept of plagiarism. Uh, there might be carelessness in note taking. So a student, you know, has taken notes and they've copied things verbatim without remember, and maybe they have a collage collection of notes and they forget to identify what is the student's notes and what is the notes, what are the notes from the text without putting quotation marks, so carelessness. Surface conceptions of a learning as production of reproduction of knowledge. So they might not understand the concept again of plagiarism and how knowledge functions. They're working in a second language. So their language proficiency um, prevents them from being able to express themselves. And it also the language can also interfere with their understanding of what was asked of them, so they might interpret something uh, differently based on what was uh, what they were uh, what they understood. Okay, their prior education. Does not address so, for instance, some schools are known to be a lot more scholarly in how they prepare students. And then some are not necessarily necessarily focus on, you know, uh, how to be a scholar. They might focus more on math and science, right? Uh, And then also there's a cultural, the cultural background of the student may also play an important part in their understanding of plagiarism. Again, this is more so for students who are coming from sort of um, coming from more immigrant type backgrounds, right? But at the end of the day, uh, there is a cultural aspect of plagiarism that people may not be aware of. So the culture of plagiarism. Plagiarism in and of itself is not a universally accepted concept, okay? From a convention standpoint, meaning that how knowledge is constructed and how knowledge is uh, spread, and how knowledge is shared is not the same in from culture to culture. Uh, I think fundamentally all over the world, most if not all cultures uh, have a moral code and don't believe that the act of stealing is uh, something that's acceptable. But again, when you talk about a very specific format of transferring knowledge from one place or to another or using knowledge from one place in another, uh, those conventions are not the same in the world. So we have to understand that plagiarism is not a universally accepted concept. Uh, in my article that I wrote, I said that the, the the concept of plagiarism was born out of enlightenment thought that attached great importance to agency, meaning that uh, you know a person's individual ability to, to succeed and to thrive and to... So their ability to produce that is a great um, that is a great uh, ability to have right and so uh, because from that you have the ind- individual creation of intellectual property and so basically what happens is ideas become money right so your idea your concept that you personally have produced your intellectual property becomes the individual's right to profit, monetarily and so if somebody steals my idea I could then sue him and he profits he or she profits from it I could then sue him because they stole my idea and generated uh, revenue from that and that's not acceptable but we have to understand that knowledge construction and where knowledge is placed after it is constructed it varies from culture to culture so, in some cultures, the West, when knowledge is constructed it, it remains in the domain with the individual who produced it or the group who produced it, whereas in other cultures knowledge construction once it is created, it is a public. It is a public, um, it is a public uh, commodity and it can be consumed by whoever for whoever with no mention of how it originally came to be so it's very important understanding how knowledge is constructed with from culture to culture because then you can see how a student who comes from that kind of culture doesn't really see how important it is for the knowledge to be attributed back to the original uh, producer When we talk about plagiarism, we have to talk about its relation to writing itself, and we talked about this in the very first, uh, in the very first workshop. Writing is a phenomenally complex language skill; it's the last one to be developed. Some cultures, even today, is completely without a writing system. Writing is not the same from culture to culture, and so if writing is not the same from culture to culture, also the way that ideas are produced is not the same from culture to culture. So writing is as much a cultural exercise as it is developing a skill. Plagiarism is sort of a double whammy because it's both the writing skill itself, which may be a cultural exercise, and then also the idea of plagiarism is also a cultural exercise. And then I would ask you all, <laughs> excuse me, I would ask you all if you had any experiences um, with uh, writing being particularly difficult for your learners and then what aspects of um, the writing I would ask you to contribute, but we carry on. From a logic standpoint, logic, which is the base of rhetoric is evolved out of culture, it is not universal. So the logic of writing is not the same from culture to culture. Thought patterns, not a better, there's, there's not one particular writing style or system that is better than the other, they're just different. So we have to accept that different cultures have different ways of writing. Uh, This is from, uh, I forget his name now, Uh, it will come to me. Um, But yeah, someone who is very, uh, very influential in understanding the difference between cultures and writing systems, It, it is in the field of contrastive rhetoric So he proposed that we make these cultural differences overtly apparent to our students. So we need to teach, and we talked about this in the first session, we need to teach our students that there is a specific set of expectations that we have with writing in English, and that if students know these expectations, it can help them better uh, know what is expected of them and hopefully better produce better pieces of writing, stronger pieces of writing when they know what it is that who they're writing for and what they expect. Uh, we looked at this briefly in the first session as well, so the difference between English language and Chinese language. Uh, English is linear, while Chinese is circular, the onus of the responsibility is on the writer, whereas it's on the reader in Chinese. Uh, English language is methodical and predictable, whereas Chinese may be unpredictable. Um, and again, the cultural value has an influence on the writing system. So in a culture that values directness, uh, that is why you have, uh, there's a value placed on getting to the point. Um, the going around in circles may stem from the cultural value of saving face, not really sure, that would warrant some more research, but here are some basic differences between writing systems in two different languages. We will get back to pleasure of my promise. So teaching writing is as much a cultural practice as it is a language skill exercise. Wherever possible, try to get learners to understand the fundamentals, the fundamental principles that drive expression in English language. Um, You also have to account for the cognitive and cultural influences on your students' writing and how that affects the thought pattern and organization. It's it's helpful to understand how it operates in the students' uh, original uh language if that's possible it's not always possible though so the challenges when we talk about writing and the challenges when we talk about plagiarism are academic cultural and linguistic so you have all these different areas that you have to focus on when you are thinking about plagiarism and tackling it and uh you know trying to remedy the issue So the dynamic of plagiarism in students. So student is given an assessment task, might be a writing report, might be a project, might be a writing assignment. The student profile is then brought to the task. So what type of student will be taking this assessment? Depends on their language proficiency, depends on their awareness of plagiarism and the conventions. Are they a local student? they an international student how much do they know about the subject and then what lastly do they have what kind of what what's the level of personal integrity and then you have the pressure factors what or how might plagiarism be triggered so competitiveness between students deadlines like we talked about lack of time competency in the subject matter and then cultural influence maybe there might be a cultural influence on in which students share things with no problem, because that's what they do in a collective society. So the types of plagiarism committed may look like this. A student might plagiarize using one of the following methods. They simply copy an assignment from the internet. They might use an old assignment of an old friend, but for the same class. They might use the same assignment for one class that they've produced and then take that to another class and use the same assignment. They might forget to utilize proper citation techniques. So that means that they need to rehearse and review uh, the different referencing styles, whether it's Chicago, MLA, APA, Harvard, Vancouver. They might simply purchase a paper from a paper mill or they might hire somebody, pay them to write their assignment. There's tons of uh, services like that, especially on Fiverr or they might just translate directly from Google. Uh, in the case that you have uh, people who, whose uh, English language proficiency is very low um, and they still think in their native language, they might simply cut uh, you know, uh, copy and translate. How do you detect plagiarism? What are the ways we can pick up on stu- student plagiarism? There's a salient way and there's a subtle way. So the sort of ways that are just in your face can't deny it. Uh, easy to see, there's drastic fluctuations in their style and language at the text level. So, one paragraph they're writing at a level that's appropriate for their age, for their class, for their level, for their course, and then all of a sudden it flips to Shakespeare. That's a glaring issue. Uh, in projects where there needs to be references there is absolutely no in-text citations so that's a problem glaring formatting issues this is an issue where you just when you copy and paste sometimes students are lazy enough to not even change and make the font size and the font type consistent so that's an easy way to to, uh, spot that this came from somewhere else more subtle ways that you can't um that, that might not be as, as easy to detect, but it, but it is clear. The language is higher than the student's current proficiency level. So it might not be detected when we're gonna talk about, this is from a physical standpoint. We're gonna talk about the digital digital uh, detection a little bit, but for, it might not be, um, the uh, software may not pick up that this is plagiarized, but you can tell from the language that the student's level is not, this is not appropriate for his level. The project doesn't specifically address the test at hand, so it's a very well written paper, but it's totally off topic, right? So, um, or it's close to the topic, but not exactly, right? So, uh, and that happens when, you know, sometimes a teacher might offer the same topic, but change the scope or the focus just a little bit from semester to semester. So if somebody borrowed their buddy's paper from last semester, it would fit for last semester, but it's slightly different for this semester. So, what strategies can we use to detect plagiarism? Physically, you can use the naked eye, you can have conferences with students. So, if you suspect a student uh, has plagiarized, you can ask the student to come in and explain themselves, uh, explain certain parts of the paper, explain certain vocabulary. If they cannot, that it might be quite clear that the student is plagiarized. Although you have to be sensitive, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to accuse them the innocent until proven guilty, but at the same time. Having a conference with them will make it very uh, clear. Um, yeah, physically, it just might be coincidence that you are you just f- happen to find the same information somewhere on the internet. If you've taken, and this is an important thing that I usually do, um, in context where plagiarism is an issue, again at the lower level, you're trying to teach them to write, so there has to be there's, there's a high level of copying. Right, but at higher levels, where students are becoming individual writers, um, we are we are very adamant about them developing their own voice. And so, when you plagiarize, you're not you're not doing that, right? So, what uh, what people do, or what professors do, or what uh, educators do is they ask students to write something basic on the very first day of school, and by doing that, the teacher has some sort of baseline uh understanding or baseline sample of the students capabilities and then if there's anything fishy that comes on later on in the semester they can sort of compare digitally there's tons of software but the most uh the most famous of them are turned in and SafeAssign, and I will give you an example of them at the end of the day you have to be diligent um you know as an educator and be able to Seek these things out because it is very important. So here's an example of SafeAssign. It provides color coding. So different sections are taken from different places. right? So here was taken from this place. Here was taken from a different place. So two is one place, three is one place, four is a different place, five is another place, six is a different place. So it is very, very uh, thorough and comprehensive in where it searches for the information. And sometimes you have students who, who literally pick and choose from different places and think that they're going to outsmart the system, but it just doesn't work. Okay, here's another example. Totally lifted the whole paragraph. They didn't even try to. Um, didn't even try to. Um, you know, mix and match or add any of his words. All right. So in these cases, too, what happens is if you click on this, it will give you the exact place where, and if you look, this is right here. So this lean focus text concentrates, this lean focus text concentrates. He, he literally, uh, one of my former students, literally just copied and pasted from the overview of the book. Okay. So how do you discipline students? How do you discipline, okay? So this is an important aspect we've learned or we've talked about the cultural aspect the preventing or, or um, preparing them by understanding that there's a cultural aspect to plagiarism. There's a difference between intentional versus unintentional, right? And so um, how do you discipline student? What is the proper uh, disciplining tool that you should or the di- disciplining uh, intensity that you should use Um, in order to uh, correct students. So how do we address plagiarism? Fundamentally, you should be, the, the approach should be didactic and not necessarily punitive, right? So you're trying to teach students how plagiarism is not correct. And students may not be aware, honestly. Especially in the cases of unintentional plagiarism. They may not, it's not may not be, you know, an intentional attempt on their part to uh, buck the system, right? So it should be a didactic from, you know, fundamentally by default. But there are cases where students are just, they have, they lack any type of academic or personal integrity. And so they just literally they're trying to cheat. And so those should be dealt with accordingly, that's why I say we need to make sure that we uh, address plagiarism on an individual basis. How do you do that? Well, you account for the cultural roles, the academic skills, the language proficiency of the student, Uh, all these things need to factor in uh, when you are trying to um, discipline plagiarism. And again, this will all ultimately go back to the institutional policy or the department policy on plagiarism um, but I'm sure that these sorts of things will um, factor in. I write, thus plagiarism policies in all contexts need to consider the role of the academic writing tradition in the student's previous study, and it needs to develop an introduction an induction intervention plan. So immediately from the beginning, primary purpose is education or educating. So educating learners about the expectations of Western scholarship. So what are the expectations of um, writing in English and using references in English, right? And how does that translate into you developing your voice and trying to use secondary sources to support that voice? So there needs to be from the very beginning of any writing program, a very clear chart and path of how that looks so that students are not confused. Uh, Preventative measures in place, and this should be done really from the beginning of uh, the semester or the course or the quarter or whatever it is. So when you're introducing them to academic writing um, this is generally where it occurs at, at the academic level. So when you're in, introducing it to this, this should be something that is uh, explained and taught at the very beginning. But at the end of the day, you as a, an instructor, as an educator, you have to adhere to the institution's policy. But I would err on the side of flexibility, where flexibility is allowed and where it's appropriate. So again, in the issues, in the cases where a student is has unintentionally plagiarized, I would not be as harsh uh, with the penalty as I would with someone who has uh, intentionally tried to pass work off as their own. Here are the references. And this would be the time where, uh, yes, Kaplan is his name, Kaplan. Uh, This would be the time where people would ask questions, but as uh, there are very few people here.